It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news from the past week or so in a bite-sized format. I'm John Harrington, the editor of PR Week UK. Joining me as usual is news editor Siobhan Holt and reporters Elizabeth Radu and Evie Barrett. We've been particularly busy at PR Week these past few weeks, crunching the numbers and analysing the big trends for the PR Week UK Top 150 Consultancies project, which goes live next week. For those who don't know, the project includes a ranking table of the UK's biggest 150 PR agencies, as well as other ranking tables for different sectors and features on big themes in the industry. All the top 150 articles are exclusive to subscribers. So if you're not a subscriber, now is the time. Don't miss out. And talking of PR agencies and the state of the market, Evie, you've been looking at new data relating to PR budgets from the IPA Bellwether reports. What do the findings tell us? Yeah, so each quarter, the IPA surveys around 300 of the UK's top companies, ranging across all sectors, really. They speak to marketing directors or people at similar level on the trends that they've seen in their marketing activities and what they predict for the upcoming year. So the results this quarter found that the total marketing budget had grown by just over 8%. So spend in most disciplines had increased, like sales promotions, events, main media advertising and direct marketing. But PR was one of the only areas where budgets were down. They were only slightly down by 0.6%. And this was better than last quarter when they were almost 2% down. But it still shows that PR is lagging behind a lot of the marketing mix, really. I mean, three quarters of those marketing directors reported no change in their PR spend. So You could argue that it's not a terrible result for the industry, but it is quite interesting given that a lot of people assume that businesses will trade down to PR in a tough financial time. Don't know if any of you guys are surprised by the results, but I think it's quite interesting. I think it might come down to the sort of nuances of who the people are and what budgets they hold. I don't know how precise sort of the IPA were in terms of 
talking to communications directors and corporate affairs directors and whether this is a sort of consumer facing marketing type survey because there is a chance that it doesn't get to a lot of the other things that our industry does so i think i think there could be some of the sort of devils in the detail there but i think it does show that it's not an easy time really that despite pr generally being in quite a good place no way the industry can be complacent when it comes to um, being in the top of minds of people controlling the budgets really yeah i think you're right in the sense that the survey probably did favour the general marketing discipline over sort of speaking to PR specialists in particular. But yeah, I mean, the predictions for the upcoming year were quite interesting as well, because an equal proportion of those who were surveyed thought that PR spend at their organisation would increase as those who thought it would fall. So there's a net balance of zero predicted change, which means it could go either way in, in their eyes. Yeah, that's interesting. I think we'll see more about this and kind of have a, a bit more of an overview on how PR specifically has been doing in the top 150. There'll be a lot of features around that. It's not just about the table, it's about some of the bigger trends and it's about a sense of confidence or otherwise that people in the industry feel about about the year ahead. So I think this is this is an interesting survey, but I think there's more to come on this. Watch this space really for PR Week's report coming out next week. Okay, on to the next item. As we discussed last time, This month, PR Week has been running a series of features asking senior comms and corporate affairs leaders what they want from their PR agencies. Siobhan, you spoke to Google for your feature. What insights uh, did you get from that? Yeah, so I spoke to Lorian Clements, who's head of product comms at Google for the UK. So she basically leads up all the comms on Google's consumer-facing products in the UK. So many people will know these as search, maps, pixel devices, uh, Nest devices. And Google partners with a number of agencies, but its core agency is Ogilvy. And they work with the agency on both a project and retained basis, but specifically on earned campaigns. So in the Zoom interview, Lorian explained what she likes to see from agencies. And she said it's important that an agency brings fresh ideas to the table and also that they must do their homework on the brand or business beforehand. She said that agencies should focus on industry insight. And what she means by that is that they should bring industry knowledge and editorial agenda so things that Google might have missed on a day-to-day basis. In the piece, she sort of explained that what she wants to see really is that Google can be quite focused on what they're doing. And so they don't see the bigger picture that's going on in the media. And so she wants the agency really to bring that when they bring campaign ideas. She wants to see creativity, for example, so that they're filling in the gaps, she said. Yeah, so she also thought that by bringing insight from society and the wider landscape, that will make a campaign tick. So that was what she was looking for from agencies. When it comes to budgets, though, she didn't necessarily believe that the most creative campaigns uh, were the ones that had the most money spent on them. She actually thought much lower budgets had resulted in some of the most creative work, that maybe tighter restrictions around them had brought out a more creative style. And in the piece, she was very honest and said that campaigns sometimes don't always work and that agencies need to be straight talking. She said it was really important to have honest conversations with brands and businesses. Campaigns sometimes don't always go the way you expect. And so having straight talking relationships and good, honest conversations are key. Interesting. Yeah, I think something that's come out from all of these, really, all of the profiles that we've done, 
I think has just been this idea that, yeah, there's a lot of like new skills that people want, whether that's new technology or whether that's particular expertise in certain subjects. But it feels like the basics has come out a lot. This idea of they want sort of candid counsel, they mm. want they want solid advice, they want honesty. This idea that, you know, they just really want that advice and they really want that that sense of, you know, being a sort of a smart person to lean on really comes out throughout all of it. And these all sound like very basic things. But actually, it can be underestimated how important that sort of stuff is, really. Particularly, you know, if you work for an organisation where you don't necessarily have any many other people who are expertise in comms, that this sort of stuff that an agency can bring is, is really important. Absolutely. And it's looking at things like budgets and bringing a small idea and a wilder idea, bringing depth to the ideas and, and what you're bringing from the comms aspect. As you say, it, it's quite basic stuff but it's what they want. And also putting that brand in a wider context or that business in a wider context, because sometimes they don't have an opportunity to look outside. So they want you to bring that comms experience and knowledge to the table. Yeah, I definitely think that's right. And it really it gets to the point of why it's so important for agencies to be diverse in every sense, you know, in terms of their thinking, in terms of background, in terms of just understanding what's happening in wider culture, which I think a lot of organisations can maybe feel like they're too focused they're too looking inwards they're too you know into their own industry but actually everyone has to be conscious of the big cultural and political and social changes happening at a rapid pace at the moment it seems so eliza you spent time talking to laura brander at virgin atlantic and uh, what was laura saying about pr agencies so when i spoke to laura over the phone we basically discussed how traditional targets such as kpi Traditional coverage and reach are all critical for working with agencies and measuring campaigns. However, she believes that quality over quantity is key. Virgin Atlantic looks to agencies for extra power and extra creative ideas. And a crucial strategy that Virgin Atlantic uses is purpose, which you may have seen in the recent campaign, See the World Differently. This campaign basically aimed to boost Virgin Atlantic's reputation among progressive audiences by allowing tattoos and giving people the opportunity to wear different uniforms and have a bit more choice. And as a result, the airline received 5,000 applications for 400 roles. She advises agencies to understand what a brand is and what a brand stands for. And then she also expects agencies to add extra value. Yeah, it's interesting that she's talking about KPIs and coverage and reach as well. I know when I spoke to Alex Dory at Ovo for her interview, one of the points she made is like, although it's true that you want your agencies to be the eyes and the ears and to sort of understand what's going on in wider culture, you don't necessarily have to be such a broad church that you're an absolute expert at things like data and analytics. I mean, obviously, it's useful to have this sort of stuff as well. But the way she explained it is there are definitely specialist organisations that can provide that sort of thing. So I think there's a danger maybe that sometimes PR agencies think they have to have everything under one roof. And I think you're better off being a, a master of certain things than a, than a jack of all trades, as it were. So that definitely came out. But it's, it's interesting that Laura was kind of talking about measurement as being so important because clearly it really is these days. While speaking to Laura, she told me that Virgin Atlantic doesn't use any travel PR agencies because the team knows the sector pretty well. There's only a few of them in the team, but they're able to handle issues as and when they come because of their expertise and their background. 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I interviewed Melanie Duffett at Sodexo and she made a similar point that she didn't want there to be a lot of overlap between agencies and in-house work and that she didn't want the agencies to kind of replace or take away from the skills of the in-house comms teams. I think that's an important point. Absolutely. And I think it also comes back to Lauren's original suggestion that by looking outside and getting an agency that's outside, it's bringing in fresh ideas and a fresh approach. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to move on now and talk about AI. I mean, it's literally never out of the news, is it? I mean, every day we're hearing of new ways in which AI tech is disrupting comms, media, the arts, probably sports, you name it. I mean, some recent examples have been quite shocking, actually. There was the editor of a German magazine who was sacked after publishing an AI-generated interview in inverted commas with Michael Schumacher. Recently as well, we had the winner of this year's Sony World Photography Award admitting that the photo is AI generated. And then Drake's people were perturbed by the release of a track that featured an AI version of the star. Of course, we all remember the fake images of the Pope in a puffer jacket and Trump being arrested. I mean, it's just a constant, really, this this story. I mean, this week, Rishi Sunak announced a £100 million task force to increase the UK. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These AI capabilities. Um, we've covered it a lot in PR Week in relation to the impact on, on our industry I advise our listeners actually to check out articles on our site in the last few days on how AI might impact the journalist PR relationships and whether PR should be worried about fake AI images. A bit more context here, last week Blue Focus, which many people know owns We Are Social, among others, said it would embrace artificial intelligence generated content. It's actually something we're looking at at the moment. If it's something that you're doing right now for things like creating creative campaigns or part of press releases and so on, do get in touch with us. I would love to hear about your experiences so far. What do we all think about this? It strikes me that AI is is a huge opportunity for the comms industry, but also represents really a huge reputational challenge of the likes that I don't think we've we've seen in recent years. Not that AI is entirely new, but it's never been such a big talking point as now. What do, what do people think about this? Are we opportunity, threats, a bit of both? I think it raises both legal and creative questions, especially if you look at the Drake scenario where a TikTok was originally posted that infringed copyright laws. The song amassed over 50 million TikTok views. However, Universal Music Group urged streaming sites and platforms to block AI companies from accessing the labels, songs and artists. And I think it's quite interesting to see that because 
where does the person start and where does AI begin? Mm. I mean, I guess one crucial question here is not just in PR, but in many, many industries, are robots going to replace humans here? I've seen a few examples of AI written press releases and a few people have, have discussed this and they generally seem to be pretty bad. But this is technology that's going to advance a lot. And I guess it's a completely open question as to how far it will go. But it sounds like we're not there at the moment. So I think we can all kind of rest easy on, on that on that front for the time being. But as I say, there will be a lot of agencies looking at the technology very, very closely. So who knows for the future? I think with things like press releases and news stories, you'd assume that the technology would be able to replace humans in a sense, I suppose, because it's such a formulaic thing. But realistically, I think people can just tell if something's not written by a human. I think it gives you the edge if you have the the creativity that at the moment only a human brain can sort of produce. Absolutely. And I think there is still a concern around not just the legal side of it, but also regulatory framework. There are concerns around that. I mean, we're already still facing that with TikTok and social media. And how many years has that been around now? And governments and organisations, and they're trying to get on top of it. And it's sort of running away. And it does make you wonder whether that could be the case with AI, whether it just advances. But Mm. are we going to play catch up in another way? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I also think one thing that came out from comic books we ran today was looking at the relationship between journalists and PRs. Absolutely. And there is a danger, I think, that if too much AI-generated content of any kind, whether that's written or whether it's visual or video, whatever it is, is sort of passed off as being something different, then that relationship, there is a danger that it, it, could, it could be damaged. So I, I do think that's something that, that needs to be taken into account here. Yeah, I mean, it, she gives the example of it was a story where it's supposed to be an interview with a doctor about a cancer patient, I think, wasn't it? Yes. And it was quite scary to think that that was completely all made up by AI. But this journalist, it was only because the journalist had done some investigation that they actually found out that it was all completely fake. Yeah. And it, it is worrying. I mean, I think the comms industry has a real role to play in countering fake news. Absolutely. Um, and I think this this is the case in many, many different contexts, whether that's war or malicious political campaigns or whatever that is. So I do think that it would do the industry no favours if it starts to get a reputation as being too heavily involved in in this kind of technology in a way that is deceptive. Obviously, just because you're using AI doesn't necessarily yeah. mean by any means that you're being deceptive. But I think it's it's about sort of transparency and honesty, isn't it? Yeah. It's time now for Top and Flop, where we discuss the best and worst PR from the past week or so. Evie, who or what is our flop this week? So this week for the flop, we've gone for the CBI, which is lobby group. Um, it's been in the news a lot this week following multiple allegations of rape and sexual assault within the organisation. A number of people have been let go from the trade group and quite a few firms have left or paused their memberships. In response, the CBI has suspended all of its key activities until June, saying that it wants to speak to colleagues and members and stakeholders in the meantime, looking for the best way to move forward. But I think this feels like quite a procedural response to what is actually quite a large scale issue. So I think there's sort of a need to work a bit quicker and take more decisive action than they perhaps have done so far particularly as Tony Danker, who was dismissed from the role of Director General, took things public. He gave an interview to the BBC where he said that he'd been thrown under the bus. 
So there's really quite a pressing need for the group to take hold of the narrative now, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really an existential threat to the CBI, which considering how well established and well respected that group has been in the past is is extraordinary. But some of these allegations are, are really, really incredibly serious, incredibly damaging. And it does sound as though the trade body really needs to step up and show that it's taking action. I mean, they have stopped doing quite a lot of their activities, haven't they, for the time being, which, as I say, is, is absolutely extraordinary. But it does show how damaging and how you know terrible these these accusations are. So you're completely right. It needs to show that it's changing and it needs to, as you say, get, get hold of the narrative. So have they made any comments? Um, yeah, so they put out a statement yesterday as we're recording this. It's a bit strange in that they start talking about the steps that they can take to get members and partners to trust them again. And then they say whether that's possible, I simply don't know. So they're sort of doubting their own ability to recover from this, which seems a bit of a strange stance to take. I guess they're trying to sound humble. I guess this is the aim. They don't want to sound a bit personal because it's in the form of an open letter from the CBI president. And, and often I find the sort of the open letter strategy generally seems to be an attempt to sort of humanise the organisation a bit. So you've got one person giving their statements in a way that is a bit more personable. So I suppose that's probably what they're trying to do. But whether it works, I'm not sure. I also think it's strange that they only did it on Monday because really this story has been headline news for quite a few days now. Yeah, they've definitely been quite honest in their approach. In the letter, they said that they communicated poorly and ineffectively with their members and they admitted to not being able to filter out culturally toxic people in the recruitment process. They're really owning up to what they've done wrong. But I think, yeah, how they move forward will be interesting to watch and whether they do manage to to gain the trust back of their members, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the the interview that Tony Danker gave was very strange I thought you know the fact that he obviously wanted to clear his name and he felt that he was as he said earlier felt like he was being thrown under the bus but I mean it certainly hasn't helped the the CBI and it really feels like this is this is an absolutely colossal reputation challenge they have and they've really got to show that they're changing now I think okay so moving on Eliza you've been looking at at the top so I've been looking at Wrexham the football club which was bought by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney They've both put tremendous effort into generating support with a documentary series on Disney+. Plus. They've both funded the stadium to help fix up things that are a little bit broken before. They've both, like, moved into the area and have been, like, engulfed in Welsh culture. And I think that's really nice, especially since when you think of most football managers and coaches they've got a strong background in football and they know the ins and outs where these two they saw something that they were interested in and they took a passion in it and they wanted to be a part of it which I thought was quite nice. I think as well there's a lot of negativity in football at the moment regarding owners of football clubs and their lack of passion and their lack of showing up even to matches and I know like Manchester United fans were really excited that they might have been getting new owners and they're not sure on that. So I think seeing the passion from both of them and the fact that they're coming to the matches and bringing friends and putting Wrexham as the fans see it back where it should be is really nice to see. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they've sort of sprinkled that Hollywood stardust onto onto Wrexham, and I think it's um, really helped with their own reputation, certainly in this country. And, you know, it's a story that's obviously doing the rounds in, in other countries. They've basically created a Hollywood fairy tale, but in real life, taking this sort of underdog side, buying it for a relatively small amount of money and turning it into what's becoming quite a good football team. That I saw some reports today saying that I think it could be in the Premier League in you know five or six years or whatever it might be. It's that narrative, isn't it? And we talk about storytelling in comms a lot. And you know they could have gone in with some other people and bought a kind of glamorous club and sort of immediately tried to bask in the glory of that. But they haven't. They've gone for a, a different option that has created a much better story. And I do think the contrast to... You know, there's these stories about Chelsea's owner coming into the dressing room and berating the players and after recent recent results and so on. And, you know, a lot of um, antagonism towards Tottenham's owners at the moment and so on. It really feels like that contrast, as Siobhan is saying, is so heightened in this instance that it's really just done wonders for their reputation, I think, obviously for the for the club and for, for the whole area, I think. So it's, it's really brilliant. Absolutely. And you've seen a lot of the sort of behind the scenes videos of Ryan going in to speak to some of the players or asking for the jerseys because he's given it, well, I presume to a charity. But that little insight, as you say, it's a stark contrast to the suggestions that um, owners and managers are being quite negative with their staff. It's a very different take and a very good comms message. Definitely. Okay, so thank you. That's it for this episode. Noise in Brief goes live every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thank you to Siobhan, Eliza and Evie. And thanks to everyone for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>